Welcome to the House of God podcast presented by the Collective Choir on Eau Claire Hometown Media. We'll share sermons to help you get to know a different Chippewa Valley church each week and to keep you up to date with the Collective Choir. I'm Shane Spencer, and here's your host, Zachariah Putney. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode two. Thanks for checking us out. The announcer Shane and I are here on behalf of the Collective Choir to bring you a taste of one of your brother-slash-sister churches from around the Chippewa Valley. Before we dig into that, I want you to know that we'll be releasing a video-slash-EP today, December 14th, of our Christmas Hallelujah concert. Mike Rambo worked hard on the audio and I on the video, and we're excited for you to see-slash-hear it. Follow us on Facebook for all of the places to dig into that. Our Church of the Week is my own home church, Valleybrook. They also host the Collective Choir's rehearsals on Monday nights in the old Hollywood Theater downtown Eau Claire. This church has over 25 years under the belt of ministry. After a really tough season and a season of healing, pastors Travis Albrecht, Nate Abwan, and the board have spearheaded a renovation and restoration of Valleybrook Church, physically and spiritually. Our message today is on sharing mercy. Take it away, Pastor Travis. To start things off today, I have a fun question for you. It's a real deep spiritual question. If any of you could have a superpower, what would it be? Right? Just, just think of it. Ability to fly. Uh, incredible strength. You're able to move things, you know, not without having to touch it, but you can move things, right? Move objects. You're super smart. You can read minds, walk through walls. What would it be for you? What would be your superpower if you could have it? Go ahead. On the count of three, just shout it out. One, two, three. Awesome. Hey, today is a lot more diverse than last night. Last night, everybody wanted to fly, which I had to remind them there's airplanes for that. But this is great. This is great. Well, when, it, it's, it's fun to think about if you could have that ability. I don't know if you were a kid and you thought about maybe maybe you just thought about this week. What if I could just do this, right? Um, but even if it's not real, and I'm sorry to break that to you, all right? Because we tell the truth here. I'm sorry. You don't have the ability to see through walls. Um, it's fun to think about, though. But what if, what would you think if I would tell you that God actually gives you a super ability and what if I were to tell you that it's actually part of a fish story? What would you think? You're like crazy Travis, right? I came here for this, right? All right, so there's a fish in South America and in Southern Mexico that you can find that has this super ability. It's called the four-eyed fish. You ever hear of this? He's about a, he's a, they grow up to be about a foot long. This fish, it's called the four-eyed fish, and um, reality only has two eyes, but it has the appearance of four eyes because the eyes are actually separated on each side by a, by a layer of skin or membrane, allowing it to, uh, having the super ability to both look above water and below water at the same time and be able to process both of it within its brain. So it skims along the top of the surface of the water and the upper halves of the eyes protrude out like a, teles- like a periscope, Right? And so it's keeping an eye out, yep, (laughs) keeping an eye out for birds of prey looking for it. At the same time, its lower eyes are looking down below the surface for food it can eat too. Being able to process it at, at the exact same time. It can look into two environments at the same time and realize it. That's pretty cool, isn't it? 
And who would have thought bifocals was a superpower? <laughs> that, that was an old person joke. And I, I know who's all in here has got all the bifocals in here. But it's pretty cool. Now, what does this have to do with us, right? What, what does this have to do with this? Well, I'm really glad that you asked, what does this have to do with us? Well, God gives us a similar super ability. And, and, and no, it's not, it's not by the focals, but rather it's the ability to look up to him and look towards others at the same time. Look up to him and look to others at the same time. Now, this is playing out in our series that we're doing called The Good Life. We've been in this series for a few weeks, and we've been looking at Jesus' first sermon. And in his first sermon, at the beginning of it, is a section called The Beatitudes. And he's laying out. And so over the last four weeks, we've learned, uh, as we trust God and we surrender our lives to him, it requires for us to keep looking up, to keep looking up to God. That's what the first four Beatitudes centers on, is God our relationship with God. And today, as we cover the fifth beatitude, there's a shift that occurs. The first four, keep looking up to God, and now the shift begins to, how do we keep our, uh, we begin, it's our relationship dealing with other people. And, and so it, it requires for us to look out towards others. Looking up to God and looking out towards others. So yeah, you do have a super ability that God grants to you if you let him work in your life and let him transform you. Now, these are in Matthew chapter 5. And so, if you would, let's take a look in the book today. If you have your Bible or your app, open it up to Matthew chapter 5. Also, if you have your Bible, put your finger at Matthew 18, because we're also going to jump there today, too, because that's going to help us unpack this. Now, I'm going to read the first four. And uh, something I did a few weeks ago was I'm learning a little bit of sign language, and I thought maybe a little hands-on, because some of you guys are hands-on learners, right? Uh, I'm going to teach you a little bit of sign language with this as well, and I'm not great at this, okay? And, and if my dialect and sign language is off, you just correct me. I'm, I'm looking for my helpers. All right, so blessed, blessed. So I want you to give this a try, okay? Blessed, like you're speaking a blessing. Blessed, blessed are the poor. Imagine you got a hole in your sweater. Poor in spirit. How cool is that? Blessed are the poor in spirit. You guys are doing a great job. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That was the first beatitude we cover. Then it's blessed are those who mourn, who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Then it's blessed are the meek. One finger and then slice it underneath. Meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, blessed are those who hunger, like you got food going down your throat, and thirst for righteousness. Now, imagine like justice scales balancing for righteousness. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, those, those first four are talking about our relationship with God, looking up towards God. And, in, and today's verse now covers an outward expression of God's work. As God works in our lives in those first four, it gives us the ability to be able to look towards others. So how about you read this one with me? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So again, blessed are the mercy. Oh, wait, mercy. That's it. Um, that, there, there. Mercy, merciful. 
Sam's still learning. So are you. But you did great. I'm very proud of you. Mercy, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is, uh, means being uh, beneficial or uh, charitable. It's to show compassion. Here's a definition uh, that I have for you. Mercy is, is uh, compassion shown or forgiveness given towards someone who deserves punishment or harm. It's compassion shown or forgiveness given when they should have gotten punishment or some sort of harm in them. Jesus goes and says, Blessed are those who are merciful towards others, for they shall receive mercy. Now, Jesus tells a story in Matthew 18 that unpacks this, this beatitude in a wonderful way. And, and I'm likely that you've, you've heard this story before, you've read it. Um, if you're following along in the New Testament in 90, you know, we're doing new 90 here at Valley Brook and we're reading through it. Uh, if you're doing that with us, you've, ev- you've either read Matthew 18 this week or you're going to be doing it soon if you're a little bit behind. If you're not part of New and 90, stop by the Connection Center, pick up a New and 90. Uh, it's a little checklist for reading through the Bible. Jump in right where we are. It, it's not, never too late to start right reading the New Testament. You can, uh, st- let's, let's roll 2020 out by reading the Bible, right? And so here we are in Matthew 18, and, and Jesus tells this story that's going to illustrate this. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one, who, uh, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and payment was to be made. Now a talent was a a type of money in the New Testament time that was worth one talent equal 20 years worth of wages. You imagine all the money that you make, even if it's a little or a lot, imagine taking 20 years worth of that and putting it into a talent bill, right? Or a talent coin. That's what one talent equal. You just wonder what that would have looked like, right? Now, you, you, you get impressed when you see a $100 bill or I don't know how big they make them, but you go, wow. $100 bill. What if you had a talent bill, right? Just make sure you never lose that. Like, where did you put that talent? <laughs> it's 20 years worth of wages. Well, he, this servant owed 10,000 talents. Take the math. 10,000 talents times 20 years worth of wages. What does that equal? 200,000 talents. 200,000 talents. That's a lot of debt, isn't it? Now, some of you, it's very likely, some of you are in debt, right? Maybe there's some student loans or, or the student loans are piling up. Maybe, maybe you have a mortgage on your house. Maybe there's a car payment that you're making. Maybe there's medical debt. Whatever the, whatever the reason for the debt. Or, or it's possible that some of you still owe mom and dad some money yet, right? Imagine if you had 20,000, or I'm sorry, 200,000 years worth of debt, 200,000 years worth of debt. It'd be impossible to repay, right? I know some of the debt that you may have may feel like it's impossible to pay. Can you imagine 200,000 years worth of debt? Well, when you have that kind of debt, your only choice really is to just go plead with the king. Plead for mercy in that sense. You can imagine, I, I, there's no way that in your lifetime you could pay that off or your kids or your kids or your kids or your kids. And so 
the only option the servant has is to go to the king and plead for mercy. And so that's what he does. Verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And get this, out of pity for him, the master, the king of the servant, released him and forgave him the debt. Boy, there must be quite a... So if you've ever had debt and you paid that last payment, there's a sense of woohoo, right? Right? When you get to burn the mortgage or whatever debt it is, that last payment, you're like, I am out from underneath that now. Whatever it is, there is just a sense. Or if you ever had debt canceled, if you've had the opportunity to have debt canceled, you know, you're just like, yay, yay. Imagine having 200,000 years worth of debt canceled. How that guy must have been skipping back home to his wife. Guess what, honey? <laughs> it's gone. All of its debt, it's, it's paid for, it's moved. And, and so imagine the feeling that he's undergoing right there. Now, what the servant does is he has this major amount of debt. He, he goes to the king and asks for mercy, asks for forgiveness. And the king sees his need and he's moved by it. You know, it, there's just one verse here, but there's, a, but there's a movement to mercy that happens. He's moved by it, and then he acts in it. He shows compassion, and he forgives the servant. Because there's a movement to mercy. And so here, let's unpack the movement of mercy. The movement of mercy is first see the need. The king sees the need in the servant. Sees that it's un, he's unable to pay for it. He shows remorse. He asks for pity. He asks for mercy. And so the king recognizes the problem. So the first step is seeing the need in mercy. But then it doesn't just stop there because we can see all kinds of needs in our community, right? We can see needs in in people's lives around us and out on the street and at work and in our families. We can see needs, but it isn't. Mercy doesn't, doesn't stop there. It moves then. You're moved by mercy. There's something motivated in the heart that begins to happen. But that's still not fully there yet because seeing it and being moved by it still isn't an act of mercy. That your, your mercy is a movement. It's an action that happens. And so there needs to be an action to move towards mercy. And so the king moves to take action. The king sees the need, he's moved in his pity, and he takes action. Mercy is more than just a feeling The king didn't just have a warm, fuzzy feeling about forgiving the debt. He took action and he wiped it clean. It's an active compassion for those in need. Now, before we go any further, we have to just drill in right here. The servant's story, facing this impossible debt and then going pleading for mercy with the king, although Jesus is telling the story as a parable, That's our story. That's our story in our relationship to our king, to our God, facing an impossible debt with God. And so don't miss this. That that is our story right there. No matter how good we think we are, no matter what kind of good behavior we are, no matter what we convince other people to think of us and how good we are, no matter all the good things that we've done in life, the Bible says we've all sinned 
and we fall short of the glory of God. We don't measure up to him. We have a debt that piles up. No matter how, how good we think we are, our debt against God is large. The Bible says that sin is costly. It says it's the wages of sin. The cost of sin is death. That's, that's a pretty extreme cost, right? And it's impossible for us to pay it back. Now, this, this is the bad news that leads into the good news. This is the, we have a debt that we can't pay back, and so we're only left with one thing to do, is to go to the king and plead for mercy, plead for grace. The servant's story is our story. And it isn't until we realize, like he did, how costly our debt is that we don't go and take action on it. Because in, in here you can maybe look to your own life and your own example that you're going through life not even thinking about your need for God because you don't think you're not, you're, that, that you're that bad. You're pretty well put together. You've got friends, people like you. you, you do, you're doing everything pretty well, pretty great. But it isn't until we find out on how our relationship with God is severed and broken in that debt that we realize that we need to plead with him, that we need to go to him. It isn't until we realize how expensive our sin cost that we can know how much we've been forgiven in that either. And it's only then that we can realize what true mercy feels like. You can't experience what mercy is like until you realize how much you've been forgiven, how deep our debt is with God. It helped me this week. I went out for a, a run, a jog, and uh, I, was, I was thinking, praying through this message, and, and, um, and I... Uh, God kind of prompted me, hey, let me, let me remind, like, if you want to remember, Travis, what mercy feels like, remember what you've been forgiven of. And I've been, I've been a Christian for over 20 years, walking with Christ and having experienced that forgiveness. And so the further you get from those conversion, you know, that, that time when you become born again and you're wrestling through the mess of life and you grow in maturity. The further you get from that, sometimes you forget. I do at times and I have to be reminded of it. What have I been forgiven of? To be able to know what mercy feels like again. Like the servant going to the king. And so I got a question for you, for you to ponder as, as it was impressed upon me this week. You know, it, to help you understand how much you've been forgiven by God, think of it this way. What, what's the worst thing that you've done or maybe you are doing against God, against other people? What is, what, what is accumulating the debt in your relationship with God? And, and have you asked God to forgive it? Don't, don't just sit in the, the weight of the debt of it, but take the action like the servant and ask for forgiveness. Ask for mercy from God. Have you asked God to forgive it? And how much sin was there? How costly was Jesus dying on the cross for you to have life 
What does that mean to you? The sermon will resume after a testimony from the collective choir. In the year 2018, my grandpa had four surgeries in four months on his brain after he fell from nine feet up onto concrete. His fourth surgery went wrong and spinal fluid started pooling up on his brain. The doctor confessed to us in tears that he only had two surgery options and they were not good options and that grandpa didn't have much longer left to live and after the fourth surgery we were thinking the worst and grandma was crying. And so in faith, because I've seen God heal before in Africa, I'm a missionary, I asked my family if we could go in and we could lay hands on grandpa and pray for him and so we did and within about two hours after praying in Jesus name for grandpa to be healed he was his spinal fluid on his brain stopped draining the doctors knew it and saw it and they transferred him to fourth floor recovery and it, it only took him about three weeks after that to completely fully recover it's 2020 now and grandpa is as good as he's ever been as healed as he's ever been all glory to God, our God heals, and he will do it again. He's just so good, and we can trust him. What a beautiful testimony, and what a merciful God. Let's hear more about God's mercy from Pastor Travis. When we realize how much our debt's been canceled, that's when we experience the mercy. That's when we can feel the mercy that's been extended to us by God. Undeserved. Remember what, what mercy is again? Mercy is a compassion shown or forgiveness given towards someone who deserves punishment or harm. God gives us his mercies. In fact, the Bible is filled from cover to cover and his description of mercies. It says his mercies are new every day. Amen? His mercies are new every day. Even if you don't feel it, when you confess it, when you press into God, his mercies are new every day. And it's the, the whole Bible from, from the beginning to the end covers that. It talks about his mercies. Now perhaps you're here today or you're watching online and maybe you've heard, a, heard this before. You know, the sin and how weighty it is and the what it does to our relationship. And you can even be part of church for many years, like I was. Part of church for many years, and maybe you never thought of it this way, is having your debt paid before, like this servant. And you've never really asked for God's mercy. Now, if that's you, and you want to receive God's mercy, you feel the weight of your debt against God and against other people, and you, you want to receive his mercy, you know how you do it? It's the example of the servant right here. He goes to the king and he pleads. He asks for it. So in the same way, we do the same with God. We acknowledge our need for him. We acknowledge that he's king. We admit our sins, our debt against him. And then we ask for forgiveness. Now, he's a God that does not withhold forgiveness. That's the beauty of the gospel. He gives it when we willingly come into it. And that's, 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 his story is our story, right there. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4, boy, this is a good verse. If you need to memorize a Bible verse this week, this is it. But God being rich in mercy, oh, there it is again, mercy. Oops, there, mercy. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with, with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trans, uh, trans, uh, trans trespasses, how do you ever there our sins? That uh, that's I memorized it in the NAV. Dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. While we deserved punishment and harm, God showed His mercy for us. Do a word study in the Bible this week on mercy. How many times it pops up? It's all over the word, all over the place. It, it's mercy and compassion. They're mixed together. Mercy and compassion. And he gives us a new life. The key to understanding this beatitude, blessed are the merciful for they shall re- receive mercy, has to come first in experiencing his mercy. It's difficult to give it to other people if you don't first experience that kind of mercy. Because you could leave here and say, well, that's a pretty good beatitude. I'm going to go ahead and do that this week. I'm going to be merciful to other people. But if you've not experienced it internally in your own life, it's really difficult to be able to dish it out to other people. Now, usually when we experience great mercy, we're very likely to give it. Although in this story, if you know Matthew 18, it's not automatic. Jesus warns us the dangers of not giving mercy. So we pick up on verse 28. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. So remember what one talent equaled? 20 years worth of wages, right? One talent, 20 years of wages, one denarii worth one day's worth of wages. You get your daily paycheck and that's what it's worth. So this guy owed him 100 days, just a little over three months worth of wages. And the servant of the servant makes the same plea for mercy. He makes the same plea for mercy as the, as the servant did to the king, but the servant punishes him for his debt. Now, this is what I know about mercy. We love mercy when we're on the receiving end of it. We love it when it's for us. But oftentimes, and this is in my nature, and this is probably in yours, we love justice when it's being dished out to somebody else, right? You, you roll through that stop sign and the, the officer pulls you over, you're hoping he gives you mercy. You see somebody else roll through the stop sign, you're hoping he gives them justice and writes them up. Jesus says, uh, there's a warning that's coming here. Now, this is where the story gets really personal to us. This servant comes to the servant, he asks for a debt, nothing compared to his debt to the king, and he asks for forgiveness. And this is where it gets really personal. This is where the rubber hits the road here, I believe, because all of us have people in our lives. We have people in our lives who have accused some sort of debt in our relationship. They've sinned against us. Maybe it's a family member or family members. Maybe it's a coworker, a former coworker, right? Maybe it's somebody at church or somebody who formally went to the church. Maybe it's a neighbor. Or maybe it's a politician. Maybe it's whoever it is in your life. Maybe it's a classmate or a roommate. Somebody who has hurt us or is hurting us or uh, has hurt somebody else by something that they say or they do and they're incurring a debt against us. Now, when somebody sins against us, or we see them sin against someone else, 
There is a debt that's owed. And we're really left with a choice in that moment or as we continue in that relationship with them to either extend mercy and compassion, grant forgiveness, or withhold the mercy and take it out with some sort of revenge or withholding kindness from them, even if it's not actionable. You know, they might not know, but in your heart, you're holding it against them. So, so everybody has somebody in their life. I believe so. We're human. So the question I have for you to, a discussion question for this week is, who in your life or what type of person is difficult to show mercy towards? I tend to incur debt and it's, it's just really difficult to, let them, to, to just show them the compassion or forgiveness that they deserve. Now, I've got a person in mind. I've also got a type of person in my mind who's difficult for me. There always seems to be something they say or they do that just, they just don't get it. It's hard in a relationship. It, it's like they, they keep acting like a child when they're an adult. And I, I see their need. I, I'm, I'm not really moved by their need because I feel like, you know, if they would just be an adult, then we wouldn't have this problem. And so I withhold mercy from them. That's, so I have somebody in mind. Do you have somebody in mind? And, I, and, and if I'm not moved in my heart, I'm certainly not going to take action to do anything about it either. So who is it for you? Now, I always let something get in the way of being able to extend mercy to that person or that type of person. Do you follow me on Facebook or Instagram? If you don't, you should, just because I want to be friends with you outside of this gathering. But um, you might be aware that I like to read uh, or listen to books. I, I set a goal each year to kind of finish books. And uh, recently, I picked up the book, Where the Red Fern Grows. Anyone read that? Yep. I did not get a chance to read that in middle school. I was in a lower reading level at that time. And, um, but, uh, so I circled back. I'm like, you know what? This is a good story. I want to go ahead and read it. And so in the story, if you're not familiar with it, young Billy gets a couple hunting dogs, raccoon hunting dogs, and he's got to train them. In order to train them to chase raccoons, he's got to catch a raccoon. Well, he wasn't very successful catching a raccoon, so his grandfather teaches him a trick. Go follow a hollowed-out log, cut a hole in it, or find a hole in it that's just large enough for the raccoon to get his hand into it. And then take something shiny, because raccoons love something shiny, right? Good, bright, polish it up, shiny, and put it down at the bottom of that hole. And Mr. Raccoon, or Mrs. Raccoon, comes along and sees that shiny thing in there, says, ooh, I want that, sticks his hand in there, grabs hold of that thing. Well, the thing is, as long as he's holding on to the shiny thing, he can't pull his hand out of the hole. He's trapped. If he lets go, he's free, but he can't let go of the shiny thing. And so young Billy catches a raccoon this way. It's very similar to us, though. The same is true with us, that as long as we hold on to things that we have against other people, we hold on to them, or we hold on to the conditions that we think that they need to fix in order for us to forgive them, you know, um, it's their problem, they're in poverty. It's their problem, they're an emotional wreck. It's their problem that they are, you know, Name it, whatever it is. They, they're, their spending habits got them in that situation. And as long as I keep holding on to this, it's hard to extend mercy to them. 
And as long as I'm there, I'm always holding on to it. I'm always going to be trapped on the thing that I'm holding on to. And that's the thing with mercy. If we're not willing to let go of the things that stand in the way, we're always going to be trapped. We're not going to be free in that. And I let go of it, then I'm free to go. And I'm free to extend mercy. Whatever the thing is, that standard, you think that they need to pay up on the debt in the relationship or or if you go out and you see somebody who's in need, financial need or emotional need, whatever it is, you have to be willing to let go of your preconceived in order to be able to move forward in mercy. Mercy is seeing the need, it's being moved by the need, then it's letting go of what's in the way and then taking action to help. Now if it's forgiveness, it's that we no longer are going to hold that sin against them because that's that's what unforgiveness is. It's holding on to whatever the thing is and it's preventing us from being able to move forward. So if it's forgiveness, it's, it's letting go and then it's forgiving them. If it's that they need help, maybe it's with money or something else, some other resource, whatever it is, it's letting go and then being able to extend mercy to them. If it's prayer, it's letting go of whatever it is that's keeping you from praying and then praying for them. If it's sorrow that they're experiencing, some sort of grief, extending mercy is letting go, sacrificing time or energy, and journeying with them. If somebody needs some kind words spoken to them, it's letting go of our arrogance and, and, hold, and, and then speaking what they need to hear to them. Whatever the mercy is, it requires for us to let go and able to be able to exp- uh, extend the true freedom. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Jesus tells us the servant is shown, he's shown great mercy, but he won't show it to other people. He doesn't have a problem with looking up to the king or us looking up to God. He has a problem with also looking around towards others. That's the break in his relationship. Now when the, uh, verse 31, now when his servant saw what had taken place, the king's servant saw what had taken place, there's a reckoning coming. They were greatly distressed, um, and then they went and reported to their master, the king, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and, told, and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgive you all your debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master, the king, delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. Until he pays all of his debt. How much debt did he have? 200,000 years worth of debt. He's going to be there for a long time. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you, if you, Jesus is saying this, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. He says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. If you take that beatitude and flip it around, woe to the merciless, cursed is the merciless, they will not receive mercy. This isn't an option Jesus doesn't give it as a you can pick it and choose it as you want to. He says, if you want to receive mercy, you need to dish mercy. You need to give it to other people. If you've received the mercy, you need to give it. Jesus warns us, if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. If we do not show mercy, we will not be given mercy. And so if we're not showing mercy, if we're not extending compassion or forgiveness granted, 
uh, to somebody, it should serve as a blinking warning light. You know, like one of those in your car? I've got one in my car right now that's doing this. It should be a warning light about something else that's going on. Perhaps you're not really following Jesus if you're not extending mercy. If we're poor in spirit, we mourn over our sins. If we're humble in our position before God and we seek his righteousness, we've received his mercy. It should move us to not just look at him, but to look at others. So God gives us the super ability to look up and look out at the same time. But if you're not looking up, if you're not receiving God's mercy, it is really hard to look out towards other people. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. People who freely receive mercy freely give mercy. But we know from the story it's not always automatic. We've got to be moved to that. So as you head out today onto the street and into your homes and into your week, whatever that looks like at work or school or family functions, God has put people in your life, strategic. He didn't bring them into here. He's taking you and me and he's taking us out there to a world that needs mercy right now. Our world needs mercy. Would you agree our world needs mercy right now? The people in our lives, do they need to see mercy-filled people? Everybody is heavy-hearted this year. We get the privilege and the honor to be able to by God's grace alone, be mercy to them. Show them compassion. Show them forgiveness. Show them what God has to offer them. And as you do the good deeds, let them see our Father in heaven and give praise to him. Let's be a church that's a mercy-filled church. Let's help spur on other churches in our community to be mercy-filled churches. Let's spur them on. Jesus demands this of us. He wants this of us. And he doesn't just leave us hanging with it. He gives us the ability to do it. We've got four, discuss- uh, four discussion questions for you to take with. If you've got your program, they're printed in there. Please take them. Review them this week. We want to help you grow in your faith. Here they are as well. If you're tuning in online, you can see, you can screenshot the streaming and you can save these for later so you can discuss them. How have you felt God's mercy in your life? Is there a place in your life you need to experience more of his mercy? If you need to talk to somebody about that, or discuss that more, we'd be happy to help you or meet up with somebody and help them uh, just talk through that. Number two, who is the most difficult person or type of person to show mercy towards in your life? And if the person's next to you, again, we can help you through that, okay? There's three of you. Okay, I'll see you this week. Just kidding. Who is the most difficult person or type of person to show mercy towards? Number three, is there something you hold on to that keeps you from showing mercy towards others? What is it? Is there something that you hold on to? And what are some ways you can show mercy to someone this week? We hope that you'll take these questions this week and help grow, uh, help your faith grow in them by discussing them, taking them serious, so you don't just leave Sunday morning, be it Sunday morning, but let... Let's make it relevant throughout the week. By the way, I'm going to pray for you at this time. After the service, I'll be up here in the front. If you uh, want to share anything that's going on in your life or you want some prayer or you want to discuss some of this a little uh, further, I will be up here after the service to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we thank you. First and foremost, the verse from Lamentations comes to mind that your mercies are new every day. Your compassion has, has rescued us. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for the mercy that you've given to us. 
Not today, God, but we've talked about some of this, and maybe it's stirred in some of my friends' lives here today, like you stirred in my life this week. Lord, to, to just experience what your mercy is, to be reminded of how much we've been forgiven. But if there's someone here today or is tuning in online who hasn't experienced your mercy, God, may you, in your mercy, in your kindness, bring them to repentance, bring them to experience that forgiveness that that servant first experienced when he asked the king for forgiveness of his debt. May they experience that grace in their life today, this week. And God, as they experience that mercy, help us, help all of us to be mercy-filled people in a world that is merciless, that struggles to see any hope of what you could offer. And so God, help us to be those mercy people in our, in our classrooms, at work, with our families, as we come and go here and there. May we be a church, may the church of the Chippewa Valley be filled with mercy, that we would truly make a difference in other people's lives so they can experience the life-changing love of God. And God, we can only do this as a result of your work in our life. And so God, please be strong in us. Change us where we need to be and help us to let go of the things that are keeping us from being the, the men and the women that you want us to be. And we pray this all humbly and in confidence in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Travis, for a solid word there. Feel free to check out Valleybrook Church at valleybrookchurch.org. Check out the Collective Choir on Facebook or collectivechoir.org. And don't forget to check out our new video slash EP of the Christmas concert. Love you all. Have a good day slash week slash life. Thanks for listening to the House of God podcast presented by the Collective Choir on Eau Claire Hometown Media. To find out more about the Collective Choir or the church you heard about in this podcast, please follow us on Facebook or visit www.collectivechoir.org.